You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. That's me, the dancing queen, especially on a Saturday afternoon. It's gorgeous out. Hopefully you're enjoying your afternoon. I certainly am. Straight off my spin bike right here to 98.7 ESPN. Feeling good? How are you feeling, Knicks fans? We've got Ty and Jake who are producing the show back in the studio. Uh, we've got a great show lined up. For you, I'm with you for the next three hours. Gordon Damer will follow me, Rangers and Blue Jackets as well. Comes your way, the pregame show at, set at 6.30, puck drops at 7, and so on and so forth. Um, we'll talk a lot of Knicks. We'll open up the phone lines, 800-919-3776. Uh, do we need to walk you off the ledge? It's early. It's early on the season. Let's relax. Let's slow our roll, Okay. Tom Beer is going to join us from Forbes. He covers the NBA. We'll talk Knicks with him as always. It's Saturday afternoon. What does that mean? Cynthia Freeland will join us at 1.30. We'll talk NFL with her. We'll have a, a click or don't click. We'll find out uh, what is trending around uh, our Saturday afternoon. Joe Wiz, as always, will join us. He's got his own gambling show here on 98.7 ESPN. He'll join us at 2.30 with some picks and some plays. Steve Verderosa, uh, former scout. Worked for the Giants for over 30 years, is, is uh, going to join us. We'll uh, give you a New York Giants midseason report and uh, talk about what we can expect in that Jets-Bills game tomorrow. So that's what our show looks like. But let's kick it off with the Knicks. Unfortunately, as we know, uh, they lost to the Hornets last night, 104-96, to up by 16 points, up 16 points. What happened? They got outscored 34-21 to in the third LaMelo Ball, 12 points, 17 rebounds. 17 rebounds for Ball. How about that? Kimball Walker, uh, back to his shooting ways, 26 points. Okay, but Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett combining for 12 points, 5 for 24. What? What's going on here? What's going on here? Ty, I want to bring you in. Again, uh, I know that you are, uh, you know, the, 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 the NBA lover of all things, um, with a big orange ball. Um, <laughs> what, if there was, if there was, I mean, I have a, I have a laundry list of what I think is wrong here, obviously, and, and I'll, and I'll list them out, right? Defense, obviously not what it was last season. This team, unfortunately, they're starting uh, five, not gelling. Um, you know, Tibbs trying to do everything he can to build chemistry, right? Like benched the starting five in the fourth quarter against the Bucks on Wednesday night. Like, you know, really reaching for straws, let's be honest, to see, like, what works, what can turn this around. Um, and, of course, as we know, they've lost five of their last seven, and they're horrible at home, which this is the mecca of basketball, at least it's supposed to be, right? And uh, the energy at the garden and whatnot is supposed to fuel and feed the guys on the court. Obviously, that's not happening. There's uh, not a lot of intensity at home that we're seeing at the garden. So, you know, I mean, again, I, I mean, you could sit here and, and I think there's a laundry list as, as, as to all the reasons why the Knicks are struggling as of late. But if you had to if you had to pinpoint, if you had to put it on one thing, Ty, it's what would not, it be? It's everything you just mentioned. And just to hit them, uh, the defense, uh, the Knicks right now, the worst uh, three point opponent defense in the NBA, in the entire NBA. That's how you blow leads. You get out to a big lead. You're up 16 early. Teams start to rain threes, and like it, it's not like it was before. Like back in the day, you know, double digit leads felt insurmountable. With the the infusion of 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 the barrage of three point shooting in the NBA, the way it is now, those leads dissipate quickly. We saw with the Nets. The Nets were up twenty one in the blink of an eye last night. 
they're losing. Now, they ended up winning the game, uh, but with the Knicks, the inability to guard the three, as I mentioned, they're the worst uh, three-point shooting team uh, defensively in the entire NBA. Their starting five is a mess. Statistically, the worst five-man combination in all of basketball, they're a minus 78. And now guys are... Uh, fans are complaining. Like I had a Nick fan last night who was at the game. He lives in Charlotte. He's like, I don't understand why uh, Tibbs would bring back Randall and RJ, bring back the starters. And the reason why you do that is because like your bench, there's a reason why these guys only play 15, 20 minutes a game. They can only sustain that level of production for that short amount of time. We saw against the Bucks, they, you know, they, they had that comeback, but then they were fatigued. These guys are on the bench for a reason. If Randall, who's making $117 million, and R.J. Barrett, who's the number three overall pick, are not going to be playing the biggest minutes of the game, then that's a problem. Like Toppin, Gibson, like these guys, Derrick Rose, excellent contributors off the bench. But again, they're on the bench for a reason. For a reason. So it's <laughs> it's the starting five, a disaster. Kimball Walker was great in the first quarter. Then he just disappeared the rest of the game. He's having one of his worst seasons of his career. Here's, here's, here's what I don't understand. Right, is that you know this is a Knicks team that started five and one, and yeah. in their last in their last seven games now they've they've lost five of seven, but they started five and one. I, I mean you know we were pretty stoked. We were pretty excited. Uh, we were excited with the addition of Kimball Walker and Fournier. We felt like oh wow you know and, and especially the three point shooting percentage. Here's the thing, you know, you because now you have sacrificed on the defensive side of the ball for the Knicks, your three-point shooting has to be spot on because now you have to be lock and step with 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 every opponent you play, especially if their three-point shooting is is top-notch, right? If if, if you're going up against a team that's what, top 10, top 15 in three-point shooting, um but yet now again you have sacrificed on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. And, and here's another thing. I mean, listen, last season, you know, when, when you talk about a team's identity, right? When you talk about a team's identity, last season, the Knicks' identity was defense, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, and, and you love the swagger that they played with, the intensity, the physicality. And so you have now sacrificed that for, you know, a team that, of course, we saw the season start off. And I want to say at one point in time um, – I want to say they're, they're, they got up, I think they were the top three in, at the start of the season. They were top three in the NBA in three-point shooting percentage. So if that can't sustain, and now you have given up your defensive you know, uh, philosophy, and maybe philosophy is not the, the right word, but uh, your, your uh, intensity, your priority, you, you can't, I mean, the three-point shooting can't take a step back either because now, now, this is the result. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, so I guess what I'm saying is like, I don't know what the answer is, you know, cause nobody, nobody's riding in right on a, on a, on a, on a stallion to, to help de- on, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so I, I, I guess, and here's another thing, like, like I understand, like, you know, there's frustration with Knicks fans in regards to like, what's Tibbs doing? Like benching all five of his starters in the fourth quarter against the Bucks on Wednesday, Starters who are getting paid a lot of money, not starting games. I, I think he's. I think he's like he's looking for answers. He's looking for some kind of rhyme or reason, something that's going to work, something that's going to gel. I'm just. I'm. I'm a little taken back as to 
Why did it work at the beginning of the season? Well, remember, they were But both, it's not working now. It, it, so I, I don't know if I agree with that assessment because the first game of the season, I remember I was there, like the Celtics game. The Knicks had a lead. They blew the lead. They ultimately won it in overtime. They've been blowing leads all season long. It's early, so all season long. They've been blowing leads. It's just that they've been fortunate enough to hit the big shots late in games. Now, the, la- the, the Bulls game, they, they blew that lead. They almost lost to the Pelicans. You know, I mentioned the Celtics. The, the, with the Bucks blew the lead. They were able to come back. And, you know, they just couldn't hit shots late because the bench uh, was fatigued. Last night, again, blew the lead, took it late on the Obi Toppin dunk. They went up to. Defensively, they fell apart, and they couldn't hit shots on the offensive end. So they've been blowing leads consistently. It's just that those things tend to even out over the course of it, over the course of the season. And for the Knicks, I do wonder, like, who's your go-to guy? It's some of the same playoff. It's some of the same demons we are seeing resurface from the playoffs. When I've got uh, Giannis, or I've got Katie and Harden, or I've got Embiid, or I've got Trey Young, Tatum. If I've got those guys on, on one end hitting big shots, who's going to be the guy for the Knicks to hit the big shots? It's supposed to be Randall, but is he capable of that? Is it going to be R.J. Barrett? It, 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 like, is, is it too soon well, for R.J. Barrett to be that guy? Well, here, I, I mean, you, but, need, you need that. You need a closer, and I don't think the Knicks have one. But but here's the thing, and and and, and again, sacrificing defense for the addition of Walker and, and Fournier. Here's the thing, Ty, bringing those guys onto this roster, it, the, the intent is to open things up for Julius Randle to be that to be that guy. Correct. Right? Like it's to open up the and, and you know again. I know R.J. Barrett was off last night, but, you know, we've seen him, a a big topic of, like, and and again, everybody knows I wager, like, you know, I've won a lot of money this this NBA season already on the over of points scored for R.J. Barrett at the start of the season. So, you know, the the concept and and the idea was to bolster this roster on the offensive side of the ball, take a lot of three-point shots, which is going to open up the lanes and open up a lot for Julius Randle. But mm-hmm. if the three-point shots aren't 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 falling, if the sh- three-point shot percentage is 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 no bueno, then you know you're you're not going to get those wing guys out there on defense. Yeah. That is going to open up things for you. So it's just it's it's unfortunately it's a vicious circle. At the end of the day, I guess you and I are saying the same thing. Like the three-point shots have to fall yeah, because that's for any team in the league, it's a three-point shooting league. If you're not one of the best three-point shooting teams, you're not going to be very successful. But you couple that, as you mentioned, just want to bring up another point you made, the sacrifice is made, right? You, you infuse more offensive talent that takes away from your defense. That's mm-hmm. fine. But what's not fine is how significant the drop-off is. The Knicks were the fourth-best te- defensive team last year. Right now, they're like 25th. Like it, the, the, the drop-off can't be that significant. It has to improve. You don't have to be, the, you don't have to be as good as you were defensively last year. Just be better than 25th. Be better than you are now. And as you mentioned, there's there is a, a recipe for the Knicks to being successful, right? Like you, you defend well, you hit threes. Here's what the recipe isn't. And it's what happened last night. Randall and RJ Barrett, your two best players, combined for five for twenty four from the field. That can't happen. You're not gonna win a lot of games that way. When we come back, we'll hear from Tibbs. We'll hear from uh, from Walker as well. Here's another thing to marinate in as we take a break, and we'll open up the phone lines, 800-919-3776. The Knicks are setting at, is sitting at 7-6. and six. Okay, the Nets are 9-4. and four. Okay, the Wizards are 8-3. and three. There, there is a lot of parity in the Eastern Conference. Okay, 
Chicago, Cleveland, Philadelphia, eight wins. The Heat, the Raptors, the Knicks, the Hornets, seven wins. The Celtics, Milwaukee, six wins. So I, I guess what I'm saying is, like, it's, it's still early. It's still early, and the Knicks are trying to figure it out. Tibbs is trying to figure it out. Um, but I guess, and, and again, for me, what has taken me back is it was a great start. It was a great start to the season, but obviously losing five of their last seven. Um, now, if the season was to end today, which obviously it's not, it's, it's still early, the Knicks are still the eighth seed, sitting at seven and six, and there's a lot of parity in the East. Nobody's running away with it. Like, you know, you look at the West, Golden State, 11 and one. Wow, they've only lost one game. Uh, you know, um, so uh, it's the East yet again is still, you know, um, the, the East has gotten so good, man. I'm sitting here, I'm looking at the standings right now, guys, and I'm like, man, Bulls look great. Bulls, what a, what a great day in the NBA when the Bulls and the Miami Heat are relevant. Let's be honest. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, this, this Knicks meltdown. Outscored 34-21 in the third quarter and uh, unfortunately lost to the Hornets, as we know, 104 to, uh, to, to 96. Um, by the way, uh, want to, uh, hmm, lost it. Okay, uh, let's do this. Um, more from Tibbs in regard to uh, the rotation. I, I know that's been a hot topic of conversation. Uh, we're going to get to your calls in just a second, but let's listen in. When you get behind, you know, usually you go into a game with your rotation, your, your thoughts about how you're going to, you know, execute the game plan. So you have your starters, then you have your bench guys, and you have the rotation. And then if you get into a hole, you have to figure out, okay, what gives us the best chance to get out of this hole? And obviously it's, you know, it, it's to your advantage to play from a lead, and that's what you're trying to do. But we were at such, at such a deficit that we – kept riding it to try to close the gap and get the lead, which we did. And then you got to make a decision at the five, six minute mark. Okay. Are you bringing the starters back? You know, so sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Ideally you'd like to bring your starters back. 800-919-3776. Let's go to Doug in Long Island. Doug, you're up. Welcome in. Good afternoon. Hey, superstar. How are you? Oh, uh, I'm fine. Yeah, Thank you're, you. You're, okay. I'm going to say one thing for you and your podcast real quick. I'm going to get you later on a number to your producer, to Melissa Hargrove LeBron. She's the first black NASCAR team owner in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. I think she'd be great for you to talk to in one of your days of your podcast. Good woman. But um, secondly, well, I, I, I appreciate, I appreciate that, Doug. Thank you. Okay. And I, and secondly, I just, you know, everyone's jumping up and down. I'm like, you know, everyone who sits home who, who couldn't coach their kids' AAU team to a ninth-grade win is like, I don't know what he's doing with the – he's figuring the team out 12 games out. in. This is what happens. The Lakers mm-hmm. are figuring the team out. So Golden State has it figured out. Billings one of my best friends in Chicago. He's happy as hell. We played at St. Agnes together, Rockwell Center. He's like, I'm still figuring this stuff out. I got a lot of weapons, but I'm figuring this stuff out. It's not easy. So that's all I'm saying. Relax, Nick fans. Yeah, but here's the thing, Doug. But but Doug, here but Doug, here's the thing. Team started out so well, five and one, right? Like you know, you know, the the Lakers the Lakers did not. The Lakers started bad. 
Westbrook struggling, yep. not gelling. LeBron gets injured. So you know this yep. is, you know, it, it's just that that's that's why I think that there's there's a, a, a panic button that has been pushed right now because the Knicks started out so well. You keep losing these leads and trying to come back. We you know we have a good squad, not the youngest squad, but I can tell you this: I'm so glad to see RJ stepping into his bag now. I always knew. I mean, I know him. He's like a family friend. I still see him. And uh, he's just he's getting better. And offensively, he's gotten better. And the guy wears it on his sleeve. He wants to win. He wants to win. The kid does. So just relax, Nick fans. It's good. It's a new day. We're coming. It takes time. And there may be some stalls. may run out of gas here. And if we're coming, it takes time. We're not going to the finals this year. Just relax. Get back to the playoffs and Continue the build. That's all I'm saying. Just me, humbly, I'm saying. Doug, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 800-919-3776. Uh, let's go to D in Queens. D, you're up. Um, listen, everyone's talking about the players this at the third. This is a Thibs, um special. The first year is always great. Always remember, Derrick Rose won that MVP in Thibs first year, and by the second year, he was never the same. Look at Minnesota. Went to the playoffs first year. After that, team was never the same. This is a big special. And his type style of coaching wears on players, and then they tune them out, and then it becomes dissension. Believe me, this is going to get worse before it gets better. Okay? People think it's the players. No, no, no. No, no, no. Mark Jackson would have been better long-term for these guys because he's more nurturing with them. James is going to wear on these guys, and they're going to tune them out sooner than later. Sooner than later. Mark my words on this. This is not going to be what people think it is. But here, here's the thing. He has here, a history here, of this. I, I understand his history, D. Thanks for the phone call. But, you know, keep in mind, another thing we heard all last season was it wasn't Dibs making the players practice at midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning when they land in their opponent's city. It was, it was Julius Randle who was really kind of, uh, not kind of, but, you know, the, the leader of – Man, you know, this was a Knicks. What were we hearing? This is what was being reported. They land into, you know, a city at like nine o'clock at night, and Julius was like, "All right, guys, let's go. Let's get our gear on. Let's go to let's go to the arena. They're going to open up the arena for us." Uh, and and they were practicing at ten, eleven o'clock at night. Then come back again for shoot around. So you know, it's 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 compounded. It's not just Tibbs. And I understand the track record, and I understand the history. Um, but, but it's 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 all it's also Julius Randle, and I would imagine that he's doing the same thing this season. Why not? Especially with the success that we saw last season, in you know, going the extra mile. Let's go to Jason. Jason, welcome in. Hi, Anita. I love you. I think you're awesome. Oh, so that's nice, Jason. Thank you. Uh, that last caller, I, I agree with him. I would have loved Mark Jackson, but. That's not what I called in for, but I, I, I do agree with him 100%. Um, with that being said, I know you like to wager in a fun way with a little wink-wink, steak dinner, um, bottle of wine. I did not think LaMelo Ball would make it in this league, and guess who lost their bet? That would be you me. did. Yeah. I let did. me ask you, Jason, let I me ask you this. Think- let, me, let, me, let me ask you this. Did you think he wouldn't make it because of the family history and how the father really rubbed a number of people the wrong way? Did, did, is that, did, you, did you think yeah. that, right? I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. with you. Um, yeah, I, 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 it's ugly. 
it's an ugly sh- he has an ugly jump shot <laughs> even in high school I was like there's no way this kid is gonna make it I, I mm-hmm. thought it was a I would have bet the house my mortgage no way this kid makes it in the NBA last night he pulls down 17 boards he's a point guard what does that tell us that's what I. That's why I said seventeen rebounds for Lamelo Ball. I mean, wow. Um, yeah. I, I mean, you don't you don't get that night in and night out. That's for sure. Yeah, agreed. So I lost my bet, but um, <laughs> I usually win some, and you, you like to wager. I owe somebody a steak dinner on that one. <laughs> well, okay. Well, at least you, at least, and Jason, thanks for the phone call. At least you get to enjoy it as well. It's always great when you can gamble on something that you do with someone else. Even though it's, you're going to have to pay for it, you still are going to get some satisfaction out of it. That's always, that's always great. And for folks that are listening, not sure if you're aware of this. Um, I, I know it's been reported, and, and I'm sure a majority of you have, but maybe there's some out there who do not. But, you know, the Ball family, the father, and and he has he's on you you could you could Google there's interviews like he selectively married his wife for genetics. I'm sure he fell in love with his li- his wife as well. I I mean I haven't had the conversation with him. I would imagine I would hope uh, that there is you know uh, that this isn't just a pure arranged marriage in regard to that. But it's really like I I, fa- I find this fascinating, right? where he purposely selected his wife because she was an athlete and she was tall and he felt that genetically that they would produce um, NBA star players. And sure enough, they have. <laughs> it's, 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 it's really, I, I find it, it's, it's pretty fascinating. Um, Google. Uh, it's, uh, if you don't know about the story, y- you should, um, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Let's go to Spike in St. Pete. Spike, welcome in. Hey, Nita, hope you're doing well. Uh, I've got to make a comment that Doug Mills, obviously, uh, and his brother, Steve, their dad talked about athletes. Uh, Ollie Mills was one of the greatest coaches in the late uh, girls, young girls, high school basketball in Long Island. I think he went six years without winning a game, uh, without losing a game. So you're right about genetics. I mean, it's just the ebb and flow, and you see it more in the NBA, I think. You just see one, two, and three, I mean, two and three siblings playing in the league. It's just amazing. No more better example, obviously, than the Currys. Just because uh, last night, you know, Del Curry, who was one of the great, you know, set shooters, standstill shooters in the league, and the two brothers, they speak for themselves, with Steph being one of the all-time greatest players to ever lace them up. So there's a lot to the genetic part, uh, and I'm sure you're right. I'm sure he fell in love. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's not something to go and buy in a store. But uh, listen, he was terrific. He, he's not a good shooter, but he does other things. He's very long. The Knicks, you got to – listen, I, I've been a Knicks fan forever. I just – I'm watching Tibbs figure it out. That's what he has. He has more good players than he ever has. And you got to, you know, you play sports at a high level. You got to figure out where the person is on the court. It takes time. You got two new starters. Listen, the game before, I opened my big fat mouth on the station. I said, maybe Kemba's washed. Then he puts 20 in the first quarter, that, that oh, let's go where I play game back home. So I, I see flaws, but I'm not going to pick apart. They're very exciting, and you're right on one point. Really critically right. 
We got overhyped because they were five and one. And Doug said, that, "Look at the Lakers. What are they? Six and seven or seven and six? I'm sure Ty knows. So you figure it out. You play sports. It takes a while. Give them another ten, fifteen games. You got the same problems. You got a problem." Spike, I like the call, and and again, you know, I don't, I don't think we have to push the panic button yet. There's a lot of parity in the East, and and you know, it's it's early, and they're not out of it, and and I do believe that that, that you know they're trying to figure it out. New faces, uh, new philosophy, new mentality, and I, I think it's just going to take a second. You're listening to Anita Marks on ninety eight point seven ESPN. I mean, Cynthia Freeland time here on 98.7 ESPN. I uh, want to remind you, uh, by the way, Darius Rucker is headed to the Beacon Theater on February 25th and 26th with special guest Callie Hammock. Be the first caller right now at 888-987-ESPN to score a pair of tickets. Again, 888-987-ESPN brought to you by Live Nation. Tickets are on sale now through Ticketmaster.com. Um, funny, Darius Rucker. You know, he's, you know, he's a big Miami Dolphins fan. Did you know that, Cynthia? I did not know that. He I writes about them. He writes about them in their, in his song. I mean, I thought that did he write it or someone else write it? <laughs> I don't know, but true. Okay, so true story. Um, he was very good friends with my agent at one point in time when I lived on South Beach, and uh, and nice. I, I right. And um, this is this, this is when my life was actually something, and. Uh, <laughs> And so I had this little party because this certain magazine came out. And so I had this little party and he came and he performed at the party and he performed at the party at the Marlin bar, at the Marlin bar. He performed at the Marlin bar on the folks out there. You're old school like me. Maybe you hit up South beach, you know, the Marlin bar. That's where I had the party, the soiree. And he came, my agent, he was very good friends with my agent. And he came and he performed like two or three songs at my party for that. That was, uh, I wow. want to know what you wore. <laughs> you do not want to know. I'll send you. I'll send you pictures. <laughs> I'll send you pictures. Actually, I'll send you pictures right now while while you speak. Um. All right, let's dive into it. Adam Schefter with a Schefter bomb, right? Uh, breaking news now, Cynthia. This makes so much more sense. I didn't understand Odell Beckham Jr. leaving Cleveland because he wasn't getting the ball to go to a team where he wouldn't get the ball. Now with the news, Robert Woods, ACL tear, it makes perfect sense, right? Like, have did you know about this before Schefter broke no. it? How, like, so this is no. your this is this is breaking news for you, even though you're out in L.A. Tinseltown, you know, you work at the facility, you work at the stadium. That's where your studios are. You had no idea. Robert Woods is sending me his medical records, you know, like, <laughs> no, I had no idea. And I think it's weird that we had no, like if he tore the ACL in practice, shouldn't they have disclosed that before it? Anyways, that seems weird to me, but um, I learned about maybe two minutes before you sent me the text message that showed me the, the Schefter tweet. So there's that, but no, I had no idea. Um, In regard to futures bets, I find this interesting, right? Like, with the Odell Beckham Jr. trade, like nothing changed, dude. Nothing, nothing changed, right? Like, um, winning, winning the conference four to one, winning the division plus one seventy. You know, you know the bet that I do like is for Matthew Stafford to throw the most touchdown passes this season. You could get that at five to one. He's got twenty three touchdowns. Tom Brady has twenty five, but keep in mind the Bucks have already had their bye, 
you've got a chart and you've got a, a Rams team their buy obviously as I'm sure as you know is next week but I kind of I kind of like that futures bet for Stafford what do you think I like that I think that's a good one I think that you know look when you look at that team in general the better the defense gets that's the only thing that could work in their not favor, right? Like the better their defense gets now that they've at, they've added Von Miller, the maybe potentially more they'll be winning by bigger margins and run the ball. That's really the only time you would. But it seems like they have been all gas, no break, like this entire season. So I don't see why they would let up now. Yeah, your your thoughts on listen? I I, I personally, uh, I you know. Odell's had a lot of injuries. I don't think, I think, I think there are a number of people whose mind is stuck in, in regard to Odell being like the vintage Odell with the catch that I call the claw catch here in New York. Like he hasn't been that player in a while. Curious to get your thoughts, you know, Odell in that offense with Sean McVay scheming, planning for him. What, what, what are your expectations for Odell and, and the Rams moving forward, Cynthia? I think this will 100% become whatever. I think this one, like, this is such an interesting, like, mental side of the game because I feel like Odell needs to be happy and whatever, if he can find his happy place with this team, then I think it could be great. I think that, you know, a lot of it for him feels to me like what you see is, like, improbable drops. He's where he needs to be route-wise. Maybe it was Baker's fault. Who knows? But at the end of the day, if he can find, like, where he feels like he's in a spot where he can catch that, like, it'd be hard to argue that Matthew Stafford's not going to do everything he can to set him up with when it, when his number's called with a really nice pass. So, you know, sure, and he's in L.A., and, you know, he lives in L.A. in the offseason. He has that house that's about an hour away from the beach in the offseason. So maybe he'll have more of the comforts of the things that he likes better. Maybe he's going to – so I think if, he, if he's happy, he's going to play better. Again, Cynthia Freeling joining us here from 98.7 ESPN. Some other big news this week as well, and that's Cam Newton going back to Carolina. I don't understand this move myself. I would have still rolled with P.J. Walker. Carolina has the number one most difficult schedule moving forward. Like, I don't even think they win seven wins, seven games. And by the way, the over-under of that is six and a half. And you could get that. I've already, I already placed money on the under, and you could get it at minus one fifteen. Like, you know, they still have to play the Bucks twice. They're at the, they're at Buffalo. They're at the, the, the Saints. Like, Cam's gonna have to take a hot second to learn this offense. Like, I don't get the signing, Cynthia. So I think what this is is, I think they're looking a little bit. It's gonna sound strange because they only signed him for this year, but like, I think they're looking longer term. So if you look at the draft and the draft class that's coming out. And you look at where they're likely be picking, meaning not in the top five or near the top five. They're going to have to figure out free agent quarterback city again if they don't think Sam Darnold is their guy. So I think what they've done here with Cam is they've kind of just made it fun. They've tried to figure out like, okay, well, let's use the the best. Let's let's use like kind of let's let's make it fun for our players. Let's use the best chance we can to see, you know, what kind of offense do we want to run? Do we want to run an offense that's more predicated on the pass? Do we want to have one that, you know, the quarterback is more mobile and is able to really, you know, truly be a, a rushing threat on every down along with Christian McCaffrey? I think they're kind of seeing who they have on the squad now and then trying to map their free agency and also draft needs for this year, given that, the top of this draft is not very, I mean, there's like a defensive end and stuff like that, but not, it's not like a quarterback class like we've seen in recent years. 
I, I find it I find it very interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if you're telling me that you think this is more long term, then yeah, okay, yeah. okay, I, I okay, I, I can see that. I can see that, and I'm with you. Like, there's no quarterbacks coming out this season that are you know outstanding. So oh, okay, I understand that. I, let let's let's take a look at what's going on this week. I don't know about you, Cynthia. I lost my butt last week. Um, me, yes, of course. Okay, I, I just you know I, I just want to make sure like I'm you know I'm not in this hole by myself. Uh, you know, trying trying to dig my way out, and and of course uh, the Thursday night game. With you know, I teased the Ravens down to one and a half. Uh, like uh, hopefully, uh, like not hopefully, but I, I would imagine the majority of the country did. So you know that made you know that was insult to injury. That made things worse. So you know, desperate times calls for desperate measures. This is an important week ten, um, and I, I like a lot of dogs this week. I, I'm I'm curious. I'm curious to get your thoughts, and I'll tee them up for you. One in particular is I love Atlanta. I love Atlanta plus eight. In fact, I'm going to play them on the money line. I like uh, Atlanta slowly but surely has been coming around, um, you know, offensively. Uh, Kyle Pitts has turned into what we always thought that he would be coming out of the draft. I love the way that they're using Patterson and the fact that Gregory um, uh, on the defensive side of the ball for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, that Gregory's out, uh, man, uh, it's a huge loss to their defense. So, and, and they have some issues on their offensive line. Curious to get your thoughts. Do you like Atlanta as much as I do? I don't think the money line is the place I would go. I think the Dallas Cowboys win this game. I think Cordell Patterson has at least 83 and a half scrimmage yards, if not way more than that. But I also think that, you know, with Tyron, and I, I'm with you, with Tyron Smith out, I think there's going to be more pressure on Jack. I think a slower-paced game. So even though I have the Dallas Cowboys winning, it makes a lot of sense that it won't be a big blowout win because at the end of the day, you're going to have more runs just in general from the Dallas side to stay away from keep You've got to keep pressure off of Dak. You have to. Like, with coming back from injury, he didn't look right last week. The, the strategy must be to keep Dak out of pressure's way. So that means run the ball more. So I'm, I'm with you on a closer game, but I, I have Dallas winning, but I don't think it's going to be, a, like, a, a, a big blowout. But you do like Atlanta getting the eight. If you're giving me eight, then yes. If you're giving me – if you're saying something like five or under a touchdown, no, I think it's about six, seven points is where it should be. Okay. Um, some other dogs that I like. I like Seattle plus three and a half against Green Bay. I mean, Aaron Rodgers wasn't even allowed in the building until today. And you get, and you get uh, Russell Wilson back. It's a shame they don't have Chris Carson back. I, I thought maybe they'd get him back this week, but that's not the case. Um, but I, 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 I do like Seattle in this spot. Thoughts? So I'm on the side of the Packers. I don't want to be because whatever. I'm just over the Packers. But in, in general... I mean, I'm over Aaron Rodgers, but I look at their defense, and they've been really good, even without Jair Alexander, who by all accounts is at least – you can't argue he's at least a top three corner, maybe even the best corner. Maybe, he's right up there with Jalen Ramsey with me, for me this season so far and with Davis White too. So I don't know. Maybe he's, he's very high up. So it's their defense that really solidifies it for me without Chris Carson. Their O-line has been dicier, and I'm not worried about Russell Wilson – but unfortunately, you know, the Seattle defense plays Aaron Rodgers, which is a huge advantage to Rodgers in that offense. He doesn't need to be in the building. He's done this for a billion years. He's clearly – he doesn't have an ego problem, that's for sure. So, you know, we're, I'm not worried about him not being feeling prepared. Even if he's not – he's going to feel prepared. He's just fine mentally. Um, I like Cleveland getting points against the New England Patriots. Uh, it's, it's evident, you know, that uh, really, um, you know, pressure has been released – 
with Odell Beckham Jr. not in Cleveland for Baker Mayfield. He actually looked like he was actually having fun playing football last week. I think that will continue. Um, what side are you on here? Totally on Cleveland's side. I think the one area that obviously would be better if Nick Chubb were playing or Kareem Hunt or both of them. <laughs> but I think Darius Johnson will be okay. And I also think it's the quick passes where New England has been susceptible. They've allowed five touchdowns, zero interceptions, two quick passes. Those are passes that take under 2.5 seconds to develop. So that's an area where Baker has been really excellent in. So you've still got Jarvis Landry. You've still got a bunch of other receivers on that team that have shown deep threats, Donovan Peoples-Jones, of course, and then these quick threats, even the, even the running backs can catch shorter passes. So I'm with you. Um, I'm trying to think some other uh, – What is, are there, is there, are there any here's, – here's an interesting stat I came across. Um, small road dogs are 37 and 17 this season in the NFL. Wow. I think I, that's from the Elias sports bureau. Um, so I just, I think that's a fascinating, I think that's a fascinating stat. So I'm looking at those small road dogs that I like this. Is there, is there, what's your favorite dog play this week? I think Philadelphia is my favorite. It's Ooh. the most inconsistent in a while, but, and I, and I actually like, like I hate choosing the Eagles this year because I love Jalen Hurts, but like they have some nonsensical play call. Like, the play calling is absolutely confounding when you try to map it everything that's logical, but Jalen Hurts is a huge difference maker. Jordan Howard has really been coming into what we like see and expect from him from like three years ago. I don't even know how long ago it was when we're like, oh yeah, Jordan Howard's thing. But ultimately it's their defense as well that's like really, really helpful in this one. So I have the I have the Eagles as a and I wanna know what Elias means by small. Is that three points or less or is it under three? Um, any other, what's your, let me ask you this. What is your favorite play this week? My favorite play this week is left at the Buffalo Bills get back on track in a big way in a two, in a two or three score win. Really? Against the Jets and, and, and Mike White. Listen, I love Mike White. Let me be clear. This is not anything anti. I love Mike White. I like Michael Carter. I think this draft class, they've done an excellent job drafting this past season, and the future is bright for the Jets. I'm a big, I'm a big believer. But I'm looking at what happened last week with the Bills, and I'm guessing Sean McDermott's a little bit mad that the Jaguars' Josh Allen had like the monstrous day, and the Bills' Josh Allen was basically on the ground the entire time. So I don't think this is going to be a. I think this is going to be a get right to spot for them, and. I, I think they'll come in, unfortunately, like very, very motivated and very, very incentivized to show, you know, that, that, that they're not like who they were last week. All right. As always, Cynthia, we like to end the show with your fantasy football sleeper plays and picks. And we always start off at the quarterback position. Um, who are you eyeing this week that can be a sneaky good play? Well, I don't know if it's sneaky anymore, but you got to. We, we're going to go with our with our Atlanta love, and I mean Matt Ryan's in a really good spot here because I think that they're going to. I I think it's going to be a closer game than you do, or I guess I think it's going to be a closer game than, than Vegas does. But ultimately, um, I think they're going to be passing later in the game. And Cordero Patterson has been so useful from so many different pass catching alignments that I think that that's kind of. I love that stacking. Stacking those two together for DFS is one of my favorite plays of the entire weekend. Okay, running backs. Who do you got? Um, well, obviously, you got to go with the Mark Ingram if you're playing daily because Mar- there's no Alvin Kamara and somebody needs to run the ball there. So you're getting a nice price, you know, differential there for 
what he was priced with Alvin Kamara in the lineup. Um, I also think people are undervaluing DeAndre Swift. I hate saying anything about the line. I hate the Lions, so whatever. But it's, it's a nice spot for DeAndre Swift to be very useful in the pass-catching game. Wide receiver. Ooh, wide receiver is an interesting one. A couple of guys popped for me this week, and I understand this is going to sound weird, but I do think Van Jefferson is still a great play, even with Odell there and some confusion and everything, especially without Robert Woods. Van, I, Van has been popping off, and I think he's, they're going to keep continuing his growth and trajectory. I think um, if you if you want to look and to try to navigate some of the Steelers, if you want to pick against the Lions for sure, and Chase Claypool's not playing, so you could go with either the Deontay Johnson or if you're playing daily formats, you could go a little bit deeper and say, okay, well, Pat Fryermuth is going to get, I know that's a tight end, but he's going to get a lot of the target share there. So maybe you know, switch off that in, in daily and, and value Fryermuth more because of it. Yeah, I like Fryermuth anytime touchdown. You get that at plus, plus 113 this week, by the way. And that leads to tight ends. What tight ends do you like this week? Yeah, so uh, obviously love me some fryer moves. Mm-hmm. I think there's also a chance. <laughs> I think there's also a chance to take a look at if you're playing daily and you want something in daily that's interesting. You could take a flyer on one of the on a Cleveland on a Cleveland situation for tight ends and touchdowns because that could be an interesting. Like I said, those short passes are clutch. And then of course on the other side of that matchup, the Pats. I think people like don't talk about Hunter Henry enough, and I think he's their their huge red zone situation guy. You know what is interesting? I'm hearing because of all the injuries to the backfield for the Patriots, they're thinking about using Janu Smith as a running back. Yeah. Did you hear? Did you hear that? that? I don't. Uh, that that I heard that too, but I don't know what that means. You know what I mean? Like, is he a, a true running back, or is he going to be like a fullback? You know what I'm saying? Like, are they going to hand it off to him? Or are they going? What, what's going on there? I don't know. I'll text Bill and I'll find out, and I'll. I'll... You, you text and you find out and you let me know because you know if there's one thing Bill loves to do he loves to tell people what he's doing in his backfield he loves like, to everyone what to do with the rest of them. Right. Isn't, isn't, isn't that the damn truth alright my friend uh, thank you so much for joining us each and every Saturday as you do uh, I know our listeners look forward to it just as much as I do so thank you and good luck in week 10 I know we're all going to need it we're going to get right. I'm, I'm not worried about us. And by the way, my favorite play of the entire week is the Josh Allen to rush for at least. I think I saw him like in the 30s. I think that guy rushes for at least 40 yards. So that's my favorite, like, random side one. And if you can get a Mark Ingram receiving number, that's anything. Like, I, I have him, Mark Ingram, to receive more than 20 yards. So, receive, like, these are little off-beaten passings. We need them. I'm on it right now. In the break, I'm, I'm, laying, some, I'm laying some coin on both those prop bets, my friend. Thank you. You got it. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. This is Click, 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 or Don't. Very simply, here's the headline. Are you interested in clicking or not? All right, it's time for Click or Don't Click. It's a fun way. We take our tour around our wide, wide world of sport. We find out what is trending at 2.03 p.m. Yes, it is 2.03 p.m. Uh, on this uh, on this Saturday afternoon, um, our producers, both uh, Ty and Jake, lead the way. They share with us some of the headlines out there. And if they're enticing enough to click or not click. Gentlemen, what do we have? Oops, they did it again. <laughs> okay. A, a 116-point lead turned into a loss as the Knicks fell in Charlotte last night. They began the season 5-1. and one. Since then, they've gone 2-5, and five, so 
Math would suggest they are now seven and six. Kimball Walker, what is it going to take to turn things around? It's going to take energy. It's going to take pride. Um, it's going to take five guys um, to do it. It's going to take us five. You know, we, we got to figure it out. We just have to, or else <laughs> it won't be good for us. It won't be good for us. So, you know, it can it needs to get better. It just needs to get better. The starting five for the Knicks statistically rank as the worst five-man combination in all of the sport. They are minus 78. They got benched again last night. We saw it against the Bucks. Uh, they, the, the bench comes in, made it a game, ultimately fell. Uh, last night was the same deal. The Knicks had a lead. Bench comes in, makes it a game, They blew, but they blew it in the end. Uh, it seems to be a problem, and now you got Nick fans clamoring for more minutes for you know Gibson and Toppin and Rose. But the the fact of the matter is, your best players have to be on the floor in the biggest minutes of the game. Randall and R.J. Barrett can't go five of, of twenty four. Kemba's been struggling. Started off strong yesterday, but you know he, it's it hasn't been a um, it hasn't been a success story so far as the Knicks still look for that that point guard. But as I mentioned, they're now 7-6. and six. Uh, Some some struggles at home. They were in Charlotte yesterday, but they're 2-4 and four at home. And what once felt like, you know, the, the ceiling is the roof, as MJ would say. Uh, a, lot of, <laughs> a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of concerns now emanating from the, from the Knicks fan base. Um, yeah, and, and we opened up the show and, and, and we received a lot of calls. Listen, two things. Uh, number one is they're not back on the court until Monday, right? Yeah, right? Monday they're, they're all, at home for Indiana. Right, they so they have lost to last week. So they have the next. So they have they have the next two days to kind of you know uh, kind of regroup, get it together, come out, see if we see something different. Uh, number two, I'm curious because we've been talking about we had a call in regard to the point guard situation. Uh, you know, are there are there some point guards out there on some teams that you think a um, would would trade? Like what what is there is there an answer for this at any any point in time in the season? The one guy out there. <laughs> that we've been talking about for it feels like years is Dame Lillard. You got to see what's going to happen with that situation. It's a pipe dream, of course. Um, Otherwise, though, it's too early, especially with the seeding now. You get 10 deep in each conference. Every team is going to still feel like uh, they're still in the dance. But as you mentioned, they're they're back home Monday for the Pacers. Um, Then you get two winnable games against the Magic and the Rockets. Those are, I don't want to say must-wins because it sounds ludicrous, but those are games you really should win because you take a look at the schedule after that. In Chicago, home for the Lakers. Home for the Suns in Atlanta. At Brooklyn, home for the Bulls. Home for the Nuggets. Like It gets tough. It gets really, really tough. And, you know, this can spiral out of control. You don't want to go too crazy you don't want to you know prematurely say that you know they're in the world of trouble but next week going to be really interesting to see how they fare against the Patriots Magic and Rockets at at worst you should be two and one coming out of that at worst you should be two and one we'll see what happens what else is going on all right well my headline for you Anita is it's a bird it's a plane um yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. I'd All right, click. there you go. So I'm obviously talking about a Superman, but I'm not talking about Clark Kent, but a Superman has returned back to the NFL. And do you know who I'm talking about? 
Cam Newton. And that is correct. Cam Newton is indeed back. He signs a deal worth about $10 million for the rest of the year, including $4.5 million fully guaranteed. Newton, who had been released following the 2019 season from the Panthers, he played 15 games with the New England Patriots before being released this year in training camp, and now a big reunion. You know, he won MVP in 2015 with them, Rookie of the Year in 2011, a few Pro Bowls. So my question is, what are your thoughts on this reunion? Uh, you know, I, I don't quite understand it. Um, and and I, we just had Cynthia Freeland on just a second ago, and, and the way that she kind of explained it makes a little bit more sense to me. Um, you know, and, and that is, uh, th- this isn't a move to win now. The Carolina Panthers have the most difficult schedule moving forward. They still have to take on the Bucks twice. They're at the Buffalo Bills. I'm not sure if they're at New Orleans or New Orleans comes to them. Regardless, New Orleans has a good defense. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I don't, Cam Newton, he's got to learn a whole new system. Well, the Panthers, um, the Panthers definitely needed a new quarterback because obviously a guy we all know and are familiar with in New York, Sam Darnold, who was their starter for the beginning of the year, he suffered a shoulder injury on right. Sunday. No, I, I, I get that. But, but they he was PJ... also playing terrible before the injury too. So they no, might have no, made a move. No, not really because apparently this injury happened like three weeks ago and he's been playing through the injury, which, may, which makes perfect sense as to why we've seen him take a dip uh, in performance. Um, but again... You know, Jake, my, my, like, I just don't, I don't think Cam is the answer to start winning ball games and this team making it to the postseason. I, I just, but the way that Cynthia Freeland panned it out for us, painted the picture for us was this is more the long term. Like, let's bring Cam in, let's get him acclimated, let's let's see what he can do for the remainder of the season, let's see how he fits into the system because. You know, I'm sure that they have some reservations about Sam Darnold, number one. And number two, there's really, you know, there's no, the, the quarterback class coming out of college this coming season is, is nothing to write home about. So, uh, by the way, um, there's, there's horrible, and just side note, there's horrible thunderstorms uh, that are uh, coming into the New York and New Jersey area. Um, it's really, really bad out. So I just want to let folks know, like, we're getting a lot of, I don't know about you guys back there in the studio, but here, a lot of warnings in regard to the weather, and it's going to be pretty bad for the next hour, two hours. So everybody just be safe out there. What else do you guys got? All right, Anita, just to get back to, to hoops, last night, the Nets were in action in New Orleans against one of the worst teams in basketball. I was watching that game. They were up 21, and in the blink of an eye, they're down one. But in the end, they were able to overcome that late comeback. 120-112 was the final score for the Pelicans. But interestingly enough, you know, a lot of the story with the Nets this year has been that of James Harden struggling, Mm -hmm. uh, adjusting to the rule changes that seem like they're geared toward stopping him uh, with with all the fouling and and whatnot. Last night, it was his best game of the season by far, 39-12-5. Here was an exchange after the game. Uh, with Harden and a reporter. I'll, I'll include the question here. James, what's a defense supposed to do when you and Kevin both have it going at the same time like you guys had it going tonight? Um, pray. No, I'm just fine. Uh, I mean, it's difficult, man. We just, uh, we're two unselfish basketball players. Like, we're versatile. Obviously, Kevin is known for his scoring, uh, efficient scoring, but he's also a willing passer, especially when, um, you know, there's double teams and things like that. So 
uh, you know, it's difficult to guard him and, and, and it's difficult to guard me, especially when we got to go on. We're just so unselfish. We want to get our teammates involved and obviously we can score the ball as well too. So uh, we just got to find ways to continue that, continue that ball movement and make sure everybody's involved uh, that's on the floor. So the Nets right now, not really missing a beat without Kyrie Irving. They're 9-4, and four, uh, second right now in the Eastern Conference. Kevin Durant's been spectacular. You look at his offensive numbers. I mean, he has been probably probably the MVP of the league. I came across this tweet from Robin Lundberg. Shout out to him. He says, I want a Nets-Warriors NBA Finals. The, the, the Warriors have been fantastic. Could you imagine Katie and Steph? going from battling for league MVP to meeting up in the finals <laughs> to meeting up in the finals. That is excellent theater right there. Durant versus versus Steph in the finals. KD versus his old team. Oh, that would be incredible. We're going <laughs> to get too far ahead of ourselves, but that would, that would be fun. It would. It would be a ton of fun. Um, yeah, listen, it, I, and I, I, you're right. Probably the new rule changes and, and what we've seen happen in the NBA probably hit Harden. Uh, more than than others but it's like Trey Young for example like yeah. Trey Young was Trey Young was getting to the free throw line like I want to say he was averaging eight or ten a game now he's only averaging four or five so you know I, yeah I, I mean it's different it's not singling out Harden but definitely he's he's one who's uh definitely t- taking the but biggest the hit that's for sure the overcorrection has been dramatic because if you watch net games he, he's clearly getting fouled on some of these possessions and they're just not calling it it feels a little personal. Um, and, you know, it, it is going to take a while for him to adjust. Maybe last night is the foreshadowing of, of things to come. But, you know, it, it, it's it's clearly something that's that's really affecting it. James Harden in, in 20, look at this. In, in 2018, he shot, um, let's just go from 14 on. 10 free throws. And I'm going to go season by season his free throw attempts. T- in 14, 10, 15, 10. 16, 11, then 10, 11, 11. This year he's taken five and a half, so he's al- it's almost been sliced in half the amount of free throws he's taken per game uh, compared to when he was in Houston in his prime, you know, winning scoring titles and, and the league MVP. So it's, it's, it's affected him a lot. But as I mentioned, 39 points, 12 assists, uh, five rebounds last night, uh, and, and an eight-point victory for the Nets. So maybe he's turning things around. Uh, any any more before we uh, we go to break, guys? You got one more or no? That's it. Uh, we got That's Mike it. White starting for the Jets tomorrow. Woohoo! That was announced this week. A little quarterback controversy here in New York. It sounds it sounds insane. It's not quarterback controversy. Yeah, Come know. on. A lot of people are making it out to be that though. Why though? It's well, because not. Let's let's just go. Let's just go full fantasy land. It's not going to happen. But let me take you on a, on a trip real quick. Mike White beats the Bills. Tomorrow afternoon, what's the story on Monday? And and so let's let's dive into this topic uh, because I just again I don't quite get it right. There's no quarterback competition happening here, right? Like where the Jets drafted Zach Wilson, they are <laughs> Joe D, Robert Sala. They are joint by the hip. These three dudes are three, not two, three peds in a pot. Don't think for a second that Zach Wilson is not your starting quarterback moving forward for the next five to six years. That is a fact, people. But what we see, we saw a, a we saw a young man um, struggle. It's a process, right? Has unbelievable talent, incredible athleticism, 
if groomed properly, could be a phenomenal quarterback in the NFL. We don't know what the final outcome is going to be, but it's 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 a work in progress. And you know, we've seen we've seen highs, we've seen many lows. He got injured. Dude just needs to take a step back. Let Mike White come in. Right? Learn from the sideline. Digest, be a sponge. Like you can you could learn from the sideline. You can learn from watching. And I really I think that's what this is. I don't I don't see this as a a quarterback competition. Even though right now Mike White is the best quarterback in that room. There's no debating that. And as I said when I opened up the show, it's 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 intriguing to me that the Jets decided to go with Zach Wilson at the start of the season as opposed to Mike White. And I'll go back to, and I was called out on Twitter, and it's not really being called out. Like, hey, I'll, 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 I'll admit it. The Cincinnati game, Mike White, he's up. I said, could possibly be one of the worst backup quarterbacks in the NFL. I, I don't know. I had Cincinnati. I was bumped out of my survivor pool with, with Mike White and the Jets beating the Bengals. But after that game, man, now I'm questioning. I'm like, what the? What's going on here? Like, why did he start the beginning of the season? And like I said, if I'm a player who doesn't have a long term, if I'm a player and I'm, and I'm, I'm on the Jets for the next, I know, year, two years, and I, I'm, not, I'm not one of these, like, you know, there's no guarantee I'm going to be with the organization for the next seven, eight years, whatever, six, seven years. I'm like, what? I've just wasted a year because I'm because you want to develop your quarterback of the future, as opposed to putting the best quarterback on the field to help us win ball games. What am I doing here? I, like, I, that, I, like that's not going to sit well with me. And it, it it's evident, it's obvious. If Mike White would have started at the beginning of the season, Jets would have more wins. There's no that you cannot you cannot debate that. But I'm not like I'm not I, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at an, at a franchise or or an organization who wanted to, who wants to develop who who felt that the best way to develop their quarterback of the future is to get him throw him right into the firing pan, right? Like get his feet wet, get ready. This is what the NFL's about, son. So I understand, but if I was a fan, I'd be a, I'd I'd be frustrated. If I was a player, I'd be pissed off. Let's go to Buddha in the Bronx. Buddha, you're up. Welcome in. Hey Anita, how you doing today? I'm great. Hey, listen, you had two calls. Um, the first one was when the guy was talking about the Knicks and they needed a point guard. They need to pass better. I think, humbly, um, the Knicks' problem is kind of simple. They need a two-guard who can defend. I mean, Fournier, to me, is a bench player. And um, they really need, you know, the coach needs to get out of his comfort level with the older players. Obi Toppin has got you got you to develop him now, man. you got to let him play. He's got to get more minutes. They took him out of that game the other night. I mean, the game was over there. He was, they were up two. The minute he comes out of that game, they're down seven. You know, and I know the coach loves older players, but you, you got to get out of that. But the Mike White thing, you know, um, there was a guy who called you earlier, and he said, I don't know if they're Jets fans or if they're fake Jets fans. I disagree with him on that aspect of what he was saying. But everything else what he was saying, I totally agree with. There's this, like, this, this thought process of, 
it's better for the Jets to lose and develop Zach Wilson before he's ready to play than it is for them to win. And to be quite honest with you, you know, looking like you said, I mean, I never thought he should have started anyway. I, I really personally, he wasn't even the quarterback I wanted him to pick. But I knew that the competition that he played against, it wasn't, he wasn't going to, I knew he wasn't going to do well early. I didn't think it was going to be as bad as it was. But for the coach, to be honest with you, the way he looked to me, you know, season solid in the beginning of the season, he looked like a straight puppet. You know, he wasn't saying anything of substance in the press conferences. You know, the quarterback play was abysmal. But when he put his foot down and said, we're going to go with Mike White, you know, basically until he falls off the ledge, that to me is when he started becoming a coach. Because I'll be honest with you, the Jets' problem is, is organizational-wise. It's not just really about the quarterback. Listen, they don't know what the hell they're doing in terms of, of drafting quarterbacks and the quarterback's expectations. They're always drafting somebody and expecting them to be a savior. They did the same thing with Donald. I think Zach Wilson is much more talented than Donald is. But Donald was never pushed. He never had to earn anything. And that fruit has bore itself, if you see what's going on over there in Carolina. So just basically to sum it up, like you said, there's no problem with Wilson sitting. I like Steve Young's um, version of this. You know, he went to BYU as well, so you know he's close to that kid. And he said, if Zach is going to be the guy, he's going to have to fight his way out of this. And if you look at all of the quarterbacks, every quarterback right now who's like top of the food chain at the quarterback, even Stafford over there at Los Angeles, they went through some tough and dark times. You can't coddle these guys, man. You see, that's the problem here. You know, these just want to anoint these guys. Listen, well, you're number two. You just start. No. That dude needs to learn and earn. And once he does that, he'll be better off for it, as will the Jets. Uh, Buddha, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, listen, this could this could be, and, and I think you hit on something here, and, and this could be a learning uh, a lesson as well. You know, um, in order to get the starting job back, got to play better. Got to play better than Mike White. Will that happen this season? Um, I don't. I don't think so. It's a. Pro- this is a long process. It's a long process. Here comes the money. Joe Wiz on ninety eight point seven ESPN is brought to you by PlaySugarHouse.com. Joe, welcome in. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm just uh, waiting for the storm to pass. It was just hail and lightning and thunder outside. Um, yeah, I I, I know weather. Can, <laughs> all my dogs are freaking out right now. I'm having to play psychologist uh, in between the show on the breaks. Um, so uh, full disclosure, and you know me, uh, I I'm a lot of transparency here. I, I don't BS with anyone. Um, week nine was a bloodbath. Uh, call it the red wedding from Game of Thrones. Call it Sunday Bloody Sunday. We all love you too. Whatever you want to call it, it's fine. But. Uh, Joe, need to get back into the winning waves in, in week 10, for sure. So uh, with that being said, um, let's talk about some of the afternoon college games that you're eyeing. What is the one game you love the most? 
before I get to that, Anita, I just want to tell you, the great coaches, the ones that win the Super Bowl, that win the championships, they forget yesterday and they move on till tomorrow. We've all had bad days and bad weeks. Every coach forgets about them, and let's think about the next day. And uh, uh, everybody knows that you're really good, and I'm confident that you're going to deliver some winners for everybody. <laughs> Getting back to positive energy, positive energy. You can't win every week, and that's what I tell people here. I says, you know, there are some weeks, there's 52 weeks in a year. If I told people I win every week, it'd be lying to you. I said, I'd like to win. If I could win 40 out of those 52 weeks of those other 12 weeks, you know, do damage control, that's the best you can do. And everybody has a bad week, and uh, we love you. So here we go. We like some dogs here going at 3.30 here. Number, the nation's number one team, the Georgia Bulldogs. I'm not calling for an outright upset, but I'm taking the Tennessee Volunteers plus 20. They have a very good offense and uh, coached by Josh Heupel. I think that this, this team has a chance. Uh, quarterback Hooker has 21 touchdown passes, just three interceptions. Georgia has not been tested yet, Anita, and I talked about it on my show. And as the season goes along, when you're unbeaten, you know that every week the pressure becomes more and more to remain unbeaten. And there is going to be a week where they're going to have an issue. I'm not saying it's this week, it's today, but I think 21 points on the road in an SEC matchup. I like the dog here. Um, and another game I like is LSU plus the three. They're playing Arkansas. This one is an upset alert. I'm putting out LSU uh, plus the points here. They're getting a small three points here. And I'll tell you why, Anita. LSU, you know, they played Bama really, really tough in their last matchup. And here LSU is uh, just a, a one game under 500. They win this game. They get the 500. They certainly want to get into a bowl game and send Ed Audron out on a winning note if they can get to a minor bowl game. And this, this game will probably determine if they go to a bowl game. I'm expecting an outright upset with LSU, who crushed them last year. They beat them 56-20. to 20. I'm not expecting a lopsided scoring affair like that, but three points. Take the money line, Anita. I know you like money lines. I do like money lines. Uh, are, so are, are those are those those are your college plays? That's it. That's yeah. uh, okay. Uh, so so let's turn our attention to uh, to what's going on in, in the NFL. And and I like I like a slew of dogs this week. That's for sure. Got an interesting stat nugget from the Elias Sports Bureau, and that is, and I shared it on the Weekend Wager show last night, and that is small road dogs. What do we mean by that? Uh, you know, road dogs that are. Uh, getting one of plus one and a half, plus two and a half, plus three, plus three and a half, plus four, you know, plus five and a half, nothing more than six and a half, seven. Okay. Um, are 37 and 13 on the season, 37 and 13 on the season. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty, that's very impressive, right? It is. It is. So let's take a look. I I want to, I want to do a deeper dive and let's look at some of the, uh, small end road dogs, right? Uh, the saints, Plus three at Tennessee. Now, I am on the Tennessee side, even though now, unfortunately, we're hearing that Julio Jones uh, is doubtful to play. I know A.J. Brown is dealing with an injury as well. As we know, they don't have Derrick Henry. They lost him uh, two weeks ago. But meanwhile, the Saints, it's Simeon, and they don't have Alvin Kamara. So, um, and this in this Tennessee Titans defense has been lights out the last two weeks. So I'm on the Tennessee side here. Um, what, 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 do you have a play in this matchup? Do you like one team or the other? 
It's interesting, Anita. Tennessee has won five in a row, and in those five games, four of the times they've been underdogs. They're coming off that win Sunday night against the Rams. They won at the Colts getting three. They beat KC, um, and they beat Buffalo on that thrilling Monday night win where they had Josh Allen stopped at the goal line. Um, I normally don't like um, you know, playing favorites, but in this scenario here, I've been on the Tennessee bandwagon most of the season, and I'm going to continue to ride that bandwagon. I don't trust the Saints. Um, you know, They had that big win against Tampa uh, two weeks ago, but they struggled last week, and like you said, they have a backup quarterback in Simeon, who might be a third stringer. Kamara, as you mentioned, is out, and head coach Sean Payton, um, you know, he's going to have to pull a bag of tricks out to pull off the upset here. Titans do not get any respect here in Anita. This team legitimately could be the number one seed in the AFC, and perhaps overall. I mean, they have a couple tough games left on November 28th at New England, and December 19th at Pittsburgh. Other than that, they have a very favorable schedule. They play the Texans twice, the the Jaguars, the Giant, uh, the 49ers, and the Dolphins. The very favorable schedule for the Titans. They could be the number one seed here. I'm on the band. I'm on with. I'm on with you here. Small favorite. I'm taking Tennessee, laying the three here. All right, you've got Cleveland at New England. Cleveland getting two and a half. Uh, New England having some issues in their backfield. Their uh, two starting running backs look like they're not going to play. It looks like Brandon Bolden is going to have to step in and play. And we know how significant the rushing game is for. The rookie, Mac Jones, helps with play action, yada, yada, yada. We know he doesn't take a lot of shots downfield. Meanwhile, Cleveland, Baker Mayfield's feeling pretty good that Odell's not there anymore. Uh, I know that he doesn't have Nick Chubb, but when uh, Johnson filled in in week seven, he had a total of hundred and almost 170 all-purpose yards. So you know that he can fit the bill. I like Cleveland here. I like Cleveland plus two and a half. You've got to play. Yeah, uh, when you take a look at it, the line we have at two and a half, the totals at 45. I need. I'd like to take a look at the total of this game here. Last week, New England, when they played at Carolina, they ran the ball 39 times, and they just threw the ball 18 times. So Belichick knows how to get the best out of Mac Jones and limit his exposure. Uh, and the Cleveland Browns have the third-ranked rush defense in all of NFL. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of injuries on New England, and the Patriots have actually played better on the road than they have at home. Okay, they've struggled at home, and uh, but they do have a three-game winning streak, which is the first time they've won three in a row since Brady has left. Um, taking a look at the total here, the total's at 45. I'm going under the total in this game here. Um, New England plays conservative. Um, Belichick has played that way most of, the, most of the season, except when he played the Jets in that last home game. He just threw it all over the place. But in general, the Patriots have struggled at home. Cleveland's rush defense is good, and if Johnson lives up to the expectations as a backup like he did in his last time, I like the under in this game. Under 45, maybe we'll see a score of seven, six and a half time and uh, we'll go to the bank another slight road dog is the minnesota vikings plus three going up against the chargers unfortunately i'm not on the dog in this one i like the chargers in this game um i think uh, I, I think kirk cousins is going to struggle uh against this chargers passing defense you could run on them you can't necessarily pass extremely well, and uh, but yet in, in, in reverse, I, I think Austin Eckler has a big game against the Minnesota Vikings. I like the Chargers here, minus three. 
Yeah, when you take a look at the Chargers, um, they came up with a big win last week over Philadelphia. On the other hand, the Vikings played well against the Ravens. They came up, took the lead early, and they fell apart late. Um, and you look at it here, the Vikings right now are getting three to some three and a halfs out there. Um, I'm, I'm leaning towards a dog in this game here. I'm sm- a small play on the Vikings here. Only concern is they're playing the second straight road game. But um, Vikings, if they play the way they did against Baltimore, Chargers have not played well at home. They've actually played better on the road. So I don't trust the – I think this game's going to be decided by a field goal. So depending on what line you see, um, three, three and a half, I can get the hook. Um, I would take plus four. I lean small towards the Vikings um, only because I expect it to be a tight game. And uh, whenever that's the case, I lean towards the dog. Small play on the Vikings plus the three and the hook. I got to get that hook in either. <laughs> we all love the hook. Um uh, another small dog on the road that I like, Seattle Seahawks plus three and a half going up against the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers just walked into to the facility today, has been away from the facility for over a week. I know you're saying Aaron Rodgers, he could play quarterback in his sleep. I know, but listen, uh, not only that, but also he has been feeling the effects of COVID. It's not like, you know, he was one of these athletes that tested positive who had no, you know, bad effects. So... Um, he's not feeling 100%. And Russell Wilson gets back in action for Seattle. So I'm taking Seattle plus three and a half. I do get the hook here. Yeah, and when you look at it here, the big question mark here is what's going to be the situation with Russell Wilson? Um, you know, him coming off of uh, a long injury, he hasn't played in over a month. That's my big concern here. Of course, we're concerned about Rodgers and his immunization or whatever you want to call it. I mean, they had a, you know, they had that seven-game winning streak snapped last week. But you know, when you take a look at it, Pete Carroll. As a dog, when he's rested, coming off of a bye, he's 23-11-2 against the spread here. Um, the total game is at 49. I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. The Seahawks have struggled, though. You've got to remember, um, their last game they played was two weeks ago. They beat Jacksonville, but they had a three-game losing streak back going there. My only concern is how well is Russell Wilson going to play being that he's coming off of that injury with his finger, et cetera. Um, I think that Rodgers is going to come out. I think it could be a shootout. I, I like the total of this game. I'm playing over 49 um, in, my, in, in this situation here. I think that uh, both quarterbacks are going to play well, providing the weather's okay. If it's cold, I'm okay with that, as long as it's not raining and hailing like it is uh, out in Hoboken today. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> it, it's, 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 it's bad here. Uh, that's for sure. All right, uh, final slight dog on the road that I'm on. And I had Cynthia Freeland on the show not too long ago. She's on them as well. This is one of her favorite plays. And that's the Eagles getting two and a half at Denver. Uh, What side are you on? Yeah, when you look at the hit of Broncos, how about that impressive win against the Cowboys last week? What could you say about them? Jalen Hurts, you know, he's been playing okay. He was 11 of 17 for 162 yards last week, one touchdown. Uh, but you look at the Broncos, uh, I don't trust them at home as a, as a, as a big favorite. Um, they're only favored by three here. Bridgewater, he's good. But the problem here is, uh, you know, I don't trust the Denver coming off of a big win at Dallas here. The totals are 45. I know I'm giving out a lot of totals here, but I've been doing well with them. Uh, totals are 45 and a half. Um, I think the Bronco defense plays well and shuts down Hurts, and uh, this game could be uh, go under the total. I, I lean towards the under in that game, under 45 and a half. And, you know, that's where I, my play is on that game, under 45 and a half, I like, between the uh, Eagles and Broncos. Because you got to remember, you know, when you play up in Denver, that altitude, the players are on condition there. Eagles are coming off a draining loss against the Chargers. Um, and remember the last time the Eagles went out west, they went out in, uh, in Vegas, and we saw what happened to them in, in Vegas. 
Also, Pat Shermer is not going to be calling the plays. Uh, unfortunately, he has contracted COVID. So uh, their offensive coordinator is not going to be at the game as well. So that can definitely play into your under as well. Again, Joe Wiz joining us here on 98.70 SPN. He's got his own gambling show. Uh, let me ask you this. Let's end on this, Joe. What's your favorite play in Week 10 in the NFL? Well, we save it for Sunday night. I like I like the Raiders. I, I like the Raiders getting the two and a half. Um, I, uh, you know, we talk about Kansas City. I mean, they're terrible. We've talked about it week in, week over. I've been against KC. Um, you know, KC um, didn't cover last week again with Jordan Love at Green Bay. You know, and with Green Bay at, uh, in uh, KC, I should say. But uh, you know. KC leads the entire league in the NFL, and he had 19 turnovers. And when you know, sometimes those things just don't go away. Four and 16 against the spread the last 20. And even though the Raiders lost last week to the Giants, they outstatted the Giants 403 to 245. Giants were fortunate to get the win. I'm happy for them. Uh, but the Raiders are five and one against the spread in their last six as division home dogs. We saw what the Raiders did opening week when they played the Ravens. Expect the same outcome. I'm taking the Raiders plus two and a half, and I'm also taking them on the money line whoa I'm, I'm with you I think the wrong team is favored here uh, Derek Carr owns the Kansas City Chiefs two games over 600 passing yards and uh and, and four touchdowns so uh I, I'm with you there again he is uh, Joe Wiz Joe let the fans know exactly um all the times your show airs here on 98.7 ESPN Thank you for asking. Friday nights at midnight. I'm on Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. And tomorrow morning I'm on at 6 a.m. Hopefully my audience stays tuned and listens to your great fantasy show. I've listened to it several times and I love it. And, of course, they can follow me on Twitter at Joe with Sports. I have free winners every day on Twitter, Joe with Sports. I love those special effects from Ty and, and your production crew. They do a great job over there. And I'm still getting so much love from everybody at the Meadowlands from the show we did two, three weeks ago. And, you, know, you don't realize how many people send me messages saying, when are you guys coming back? When are you guys coming back? I I said, call Anita up. She'll get figured out. Call me? No, call Peter Doherty. That's, <laughs> that's, that's who they need to call. They want us out there. Call Peter right now. Uh, Joe, thank you so much. Appreciate you, my friend. Um, ha- have, 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 a great, have a great week, 10. Thank you very much. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.